2: Why is it so hard to be out and out five star recommendable about Tears of the Kingdom?
3: It's because Scott Tilford, unlike on. Breath of the Wild, it's very much
2: just a sequel, isn't Breath it? Breath of the Mild.
3: In, oh, it, oh, you've done I'm it not ever. doing that. That's
2: just what I saw doing in the rounds. Is that five, really? Six years ago.
3: Oh my God, Breath of the Mild. Yeah. This kind of is, and that's, that's like such a strange thing to say because I think we both had a really good time we with, did with Tears, Tears of the, of the, King- of the <laughs> Kingdom. But taken in totality, which is what we're going to do today, mm. there are a lot of negatives, I think think to jump into, and just full disclaimer, this is going to be a very negative podcast in parts, though we are going to talk about stuff that we love, because there is stuff spoiler stuff mm. that I absolutely adore about this game that I'm so excited to finally talk about, yes. but there's an equal amount where I'm either not sure on it or my perception is a little bit coloured mm. because I love Breath
2: of the Wild so much and the context in which that game came out. I It's, it's the most fascinating game to talk about because I prefer Breath of the Wild overall. That game knocked me sideways, I absolutely loved it. Tears of the Kingdom, I maintain, like I said in the review, is a 4.5 star game with 5 star moments in it and there are a lot of 5 star moments and ideas concepts in general in there it just doesn't keep the needle pinned and I think the bits when it doesn't doesn't necessarily fall down, it's just that it doesn't fully stand up the whole way through. It's just, it's a weird, weird game. And the more distance we've got since launch and the more people have shared clips from it, the more that I'm seeing people not finishing it. Like uh, I see people moving on from it. I see people only sharing footage from the opening field that people are in. Um, I'm not seeing anybody getting through the temples. I'm not seeing anybody talk about many of the things that happen towards the end of the story. This is a full-on spoiler cast, which it will be labeled as such. Um, but things like the um, the master sword location—that was one of the only things I've seen someone mention. Um, but not the ending, not like the fight with Ganon. Like, just it feels like it's such a. Um, mod happy kind of game where it's like, mm. look at this crazy thing that I built. That it's almost like a like when, Min- you know, when Minecraft. This I'm going. I'm ancient. I'm <laughs> going back to when Minecraft was like doing the rounds across. Obviously, 2009 came out, and then it was that massive burst of look at these creations across like 2010 through about 2013, 2014 ish. And that guy that made that calculator just work in Minecraft, or someone who rebuilt the entirety of Lord of the Rings in Minecraft. Right. It feels like that where it's like the community around this game is look what I've built not look what I've seen, look what I've experienced or whatever. I'm I'm not seeing that much of it apart from just the uh, crafting side of it. And I think that is one of the five star parts of it. Yeah, But I do find that like when I reflect on my time on it, I just, I don't know, there's a a way they implemented it across the story that I feel could have been more meaningful, could have, like, fundamentally, you could have fundamentally needed to build some of these things to get through these locations.
3: Absolutely, and I mean, you referred to it there as a weird game, and I Mm. would agree. I think it's a testament to its ambition that it absolutely swings for the fences and does a whole bunch of stuff, (laughs) but like you said, while some of those aspects might not necessarily fall down, some are certainly better than others, Mm -hmm. and it's cool that we have a game as big as this, as sprawling as this, and we can really pick apart. Like We're going to talk about so much today, Yes, and that barely scratches the surface of (laughs) everything going on within this game. But you are right in terms of the building, and for me personally that's why I prefer Breath of the Wild because Mm. people are showing me all of the constructs that they've made and the ways that they've navigated the world, and I love that that's in there. Mm. For my personal tastes, I don't have the creativity to fully capitalize on that mechanic. It's exactly why I don't play games like right. Minecraft and that's very much a me thing, but I think it's really interesting that you made the differentiation the, the differentiation mm-hmm. between the two games being this is what I've built and this is what I've seen because That was absolutely what I loved about Mm. Breath of the Wild. It was that sense of exploration. It was, what does Hyrule have to offer? What is going to be down this path if I follow it? Mm. And while, obviously, Tears of the Kingdom's Hyrule and the skies and the depths have so much to find, that sense of discovery isn't quite there for me because I have seen almost everything that it has to offer already in a previous game. And like I said, that still makes the game good, but it doesn't make it as, oh, my God, this is a 10 out of 10 experience. I'm gonna remember this forever mm-hmm. in the same way that Breath of the Wild was.
2: That me. was honestly why I opened the review on just clarifying just how much they've carried over. I never, and I still, am not over how much this is the same game. Like I, yes, the crafting systems are brilliant, and like yeah, they're it, like it's a sequel, whatever. You can get all itemized and granular about it, but it just felt the same. Like it was just the same sound effects, the same animations, the same progression overall, um, just the same overall vibe. Like I mean, it was just more of that thing. Um, And there was something about that where, like, it was, like, when you really, if you do start to get granular about what have they literally added, well, it's the crafting system, it's the mod stuff. But because, to me, they don't make it that you need to use those systems to get through the temples or get through, you know, like, slaying a certain beast that can only be found if you make a flying machine or something like that. Like, they don't go anywhere near that stuff, which I would say, like, is a bit of a, I mean, I'm always about, I'm always all about criticizing what were they going for, at did they nail? So maybe they never wanted to make it that specific. Um, but I do think that you were saying like, you know, you feel like, oh, I, I don't have the, um, the mind for like those more complex contraptions. Well, the game could have taught you that. Like in a way, like they could have made something that teaches you, they do it at the beginning. Like, um, where they go, here's a couple of hooks and a platform and like a, a zip line that goes down. You probably need to make a platform that'll hook around that thing and get somewhere. To me, they never really do that again. Like, they don't fully flesh that out. I think properly. this is where we'll start to diverge mm. a little bit because I
3: cut the game so much slack in this regard because of what you just mentioned there. Like, I don't think I have the brain power to construct <laughs> all of these massively int- intricate constructs, but the game still taught me way more than I ever thought it would, you know, over the first. 10 or Mm -hmm. 20 hours you know like you said initially I wondered whether I would bounce off the fuse mechanic entirely and maybe Mm -hmm. it just wouldn't be my thing but it did such a great job onboarding me and teaching the rules and giving me a few things that I could build to allow me to get around puzzles and it it did expand my brain almost way more than I expected it to and I was really appreciative of that Mm -hmm. but I'm pleased that it didn't may require me to be a master of it to get over certain puzzles or to complete certain combat encounters because I would have found that not fun. Mm. To me, it actually struck a pretty perfect balance towards the end of encouraging you to indulge in those mechanics but not relying on you having a mastery over them. Like... My one of my favorite parts of the game is the Sky Islands. Yes, so same, best part. So optional, some of them, but every single time I went to a new area, I jumped up the tower, launched into the sky, and found the closest Sky Island that I could. Because to navigate those areas, you have to use the building Mm. mechanics. You have to use the fuse mechanics and. I navigated all of those in a different way using different items, Mm. but I kind of had the same basic tool set. I wanted to go high in the sky so (laughs) I could then, you know, um, paraglide down, or I wanted to use a rocket to launch me to the other side of a canyon or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I found that exciting because I could improvise my way around that stuff, and it felt fresh. Certainly, something I didn't do in Breath of the Wild. But like I keep saying, you know, I it, it it didn't block me out or it didn't, you know, give me a difficulty spike when I didn't, when I wouldn't have known how to create one specific thing Mm. to complete a specific quest. That stuff I actually disagree with you on, because I think it would have locked out more people than it would have
2: brought Maybe. in. Maybe. Perhaps. I guess that, that's what I'm saying. That yeah, it, mine's not like an overall... Th- I just I just wish there were more instances like the Sky Islands, because like at the beginning of the game, like I said, you have that hook thing, and then you're in the Sky Islands, and that's by far, to me, the best part of the game. It's the most differentiable part of the game from Breath of the Wild. And when you fall down to Hyrule, there's something, to me, that was just something that was a bit, oh, Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, I want to be back up there. I want to be doing all that stuff um, and building flying machines and building all these contraptions and everything, because um, that is where you do need to use them. But like in terms of like authored scenarios where you need to think your way through puzzles, um, I ended up, just obviously you end up using the crafting materials and everything anyway. And those are the five-star moments when things come together. And I can't believe that worked and whatever. That's the best parts about it. I just wish considering how much Hyrule from Breath of the Wild is in here, I wish it was more in there as well. Um, but we talk about specific stuff, and I think it, like we'll just kind of go back and forth on things. Um, talk about characters, lore, story stuff. Okay. Because um, my favorite thing in here um, is the depiction, is everything that Zelda does, and is the Master Sword's location. That is like my moment. For now, is like my moment of the year. Right. Um, like realizing that she was there all along, that she did draconify, that the Master Sword is in her head, um, and that you need to find a way up there to retrieve it. And um, that did in the moment bring everything together. Like the the Sky Islands. How much I, I was comfortable being in the sky at that point and like building a flying machine and flying it in the sky and then skydiving onto her head and then like retrieving it and also at that point I'd, I'd done enough um, random stuff in the world to have enough hearts to pull it out I don't know how many you have to have but I had enough Yeah. Um. and that just felt like a whole all encompassing thing and the music in that moment is incredible and then when you go back to um, you know gameplay and everything uh, after you find out the full story what's happening with her and she just sort of like flies off into the distance and you're left with that just the realization of the sacrifice that she's made I thought yeah. that was like Just so perfect. It's a great scene.
3: It's an amazing scene, (laughs) and I need to clarify. In I need to clarify that the story in this game and other Zelda games are not why I play. Never why anyone plays these titles. You know what I mean? Like I loved Breath of the Wild. I would consider it one of my favorite games of all time. I actually i can't remember the story <laughs> of that game i don't know there's th- very little the characters i can barely remember the setup like that wasn't the draw for me even in skyward sword which i loved and was obviously way more linear mm. i can remember the vague structure of that plot but i can't remember any of the characters or necessarily <laughs> the setting it, to me these games are other puzzles they're about yeah. the exploration they're about the sense of player agency and and um, the game making you feel smart that said Tears of the kingdom story i was way more engaged in as a whole. Mm. I was more encouraged to find the actual tears and get that backstory. I mm. thought some of the cutscenes were incredibly directed, really exciting, impactful, and that one with Zelda and the Master Sword. Um, whilst it didn't affect me the same way it affected you and so many of the mm. Zelda fans across the globe because I've been looking at their responses and it warms <laughs> my heart, I still thought it was an excellent scene, really pitch perfect. It just um, it wasn't that kind of culminating thing that it was for me like I I, it was just another good
2: scene in a Mm. game that had some other good scenes in it I definitely yeah I huge I mean I said this in the review like I hugely agree on the cinematography I think this is the best shot video. uh, sorry best shot Zelda ever like they really actually do Put time into the cutscenes in a way that no other Zelda has. Even mm. Breath of the Wild didn't really have that many cinematic moments. Like, there's a bit in this where um, Ganon is like is fighting Rauru and the rest of the Zonai, and it's like it's a whole like battle sequence that you hardly got any of in Breath of the Wild. Dude, that moment where he—I think it might be the same sequence mm. where he raises
3: the Blood Moon for the yeah. first time and he transforms. That was the moment. That was where some Dark Souls stuff. It was. It was. It was the moment where that story kind of went from something I was just doing. And finding because I liked doing mm. the, the glyphs in the world to oh I'm actually interested in what's happening right now because this is so well presented.
2: Yeah, one thing with that that was funny is like because we'll get we should talk about this that you can just you can just do things so out of order that it breaks all satisfaction, well it can break satisfaction or it breaks the potential build of what's happening because like a lot of that stuff obviously the overall idea being that Zelda is trapped in the past oh that's what you think until you realize that she's a dragon, um you don't know, you know, what's happened or where she is or whatever. And there are these various geoglyphs that they call them around the world. And when you interact with them, you get bits of story. You can do them massively out of order. There's a temple you can find that shows you the order they should be in. Yeah. But by the time I'd found that, I'd already done uh, one of the clips that is at the very end. And it starts with, um, like, the betray- the realis- realization that the clone of Zelda is Ganon and that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I saw that almost immediately, ah, which kind of right. largely broke the build to that. Um, And so that was, like, that. that's a weird thing. They as a design rule over, they, they don't care about curating you in a certain direction. Um, and I think, I don't know, I, I do think parts of it are negative. Like I think putting stuff like um, the ability for you to uh, put a manual teleport stone thing down so you can go back to a place. That I think should be something that you get given. I just mm. think that's massively helpful, especially in the Skylands. If you fall off and you're not, you just can't get back up there. Like that sucks. You got to go find a tower or right whatever. And it's like it's weird because I get that the ma- the appeal is obviously in the exploration. But sometimes when you're in the middle of just solving a puzzle, you just want to try and get one of those green gems crystals back to the place. And then it's just the physics make it fall off because you land wrong, and then you just tumble to the floor. Um, I think it's that idea of like, being able to like teleport back up or something like that. One of those like foundational elements could have been cool to have. Some of the stuff because it's all just so optional. I didn't get auto build for 70 hours. Yeah. So like okay. stuff like that. I'm like, that would have been massively helpful to have before. You've raised a lot of good things, Escott. I'm do. gonna
3: quickly go back to the stuff with the Master Sword, because yes. it kind of links with your doing stuff out of order and um, there. Because when I got the Master Sword, um I'd already seen the cutscene, of course, where Zelda, you know, she kind of promises that she's going to swallow the the stone and mm. become this dragon and kind of safeguard the master sword until Link's ready, you know, mm-hmm. all the way in the future. But when um, I did all of the glyphs and the dragon comes around and drops the final tier that kind of confirms that and you see her transformation, mm-hmm. the wind was kind of sucked out of it because I saw the dragon in full and I saw the Master Sword in its head. <laughs> and I was like, You've given me it's all right of there. these cutscenes. Yeah, it's like literally right there. It's like, You've given me all these cutscenes. You've shown me now the master sword in this dragon's head flying around. Right. So then I had to go to this final, um, you know, tier to finally see the backstory. and Then the dragon appeared again, and I'm like, that was just a kind of convoluted series of events. Mm. Could you not have just given me the final tier immediately and showed sure me that transformation and then revealed the dragon in game? Like, mm. why did I have to see it first and then see it again and then see it again? It <sighs> was it was just a little bit strange, and yeah. I don't know if that was unique to my playthrough or if it changes if you get the master sort of different way because I know there are a few other quests that
2: and tell you where it is and what's well, going that's the on with thing. it. But. Mine definitely worked as a reveal. I remember, like, the, the sort of, like, the haunting nature of her just being trapped in this body for, like, a 100 years or whatever it is. Um, that totally worked as a reveal. And you see her, like, flying in the background and realizing, like, oh, I need to go there. And then the story things, like, flesh it out and whatever. Um, but, yeah, the Master Sword, I got that, like, pretty early. And then that, like, they don't address that in any of the dialogue. Like, I think when... Because the game had a couple of day one patches and stuff. Um, But... That was one of those things that just felt broken to me because I got the Master Sword and then I went back and talked to Pura and we were and then the dialogue was like, Oh, where is Zelda? Where's the Master Sword? And Link's holding it in front of her, right. Talking to her. And I was just like, This just feels kinda hokey. Like it's some of it you can just kind of file it under, oh, it's a video game, you've got the item that you're not supposed to have, but it's not like it's a pre order item or something that like is optional. Yeah. Like it's it's baked into your design that I could have the master sword at this point and characters weren't acknowledging it or anything. There's a bit later on where they sort of roadblock you and go, You need to have this, this, this before you can do the next mission. And if you Do have those things at that point? Then they start to tell you you're going to need to retrieve things, and then they go, "Oh, you've actually already got it." Yeah. But there were like lots of like you know initial conversations that I that just didn't make any sense in context for just the way I did stuff.
3: And that feels rare, I think, from this game because I think in other regards the game's really good at banking what you've done and accommodating for that. Like there were so many other times early in the game where Mm -hmm. I had you know got an item for a quest that I hadn't already gotten, you know, I just mm. picked it up while I was out exploring and then I eventually found the quest giver and they said, Oh, you've 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 done it. I can't believe, you know, you've preempted <laughs> me in that way. And it was really good at acknowledging that stuff. So it is a shame that they didn't do that for arguably one of the biggest items in the game that you need. That's
2: that's well, because I was like, I've retrieved it, I've been through that whole set piece of like getting it off her head in mid-air on a dragon, yeah. And then I was like, I'll go back to the main characters who were looking for this, which is like Pura and Robbie and whatever. And none of them acknowledged it, yeah. So I was like, Ah, that's a bit flat. I guess I just wasn't supposed to go here. Or uh, something. But it shame. didn't like massively mar anything, it's just things that kind of come up when we talk about it holistically, or we talk about it respectively in terms of the design of this like this tapestry of a game that largely accounts for everything you do, yeah. But then some of the more story based things if you mainline the geoglyphs then you'll you'll realize things out of order or whatever like um, things like Ganon. we should talk about Ganon for a sec like I think this is the best depiction of Ganon we've ever had well
3: can we hold that for a brief yes. second and talk about what you mentioned about the items and the auto builder I'm excited stuff. I know I know so many, there's, things. There's so many good things I just want to jump on that before we move on because I think yes. it's a really important um, development in the game itself when you get that auto builder and suddenly mm. it opens everything up because like I said at the start as someone who didn't who isn't smart enough to think of all of these different contraptions <laughs> I
2: don't think it, it's a smart
3: thing well I'm just not wired that Mm -hmm. way. It gave me blueprints. And then suddenly I was enjoying building so much more. I was enjoying finding the Zonai um, items and resources, the charges, charges, so I can actually, one, you know, have enough battery to fuel those things, but two, construct them out of thin air when I needed to. So to me, that made everything make sense. But more importantly than that, it worked as a reward because I stumbled on that at about 30 hours in, entirely on my own. You know, I I went to the tutorial area from Breath of the Wild and I found one of the goddess statues Mm. and got onto a quest with them that took me underground to find the big goddess and on the way there, I found the temple that has the auto builder and it felt so player driven that Mm. that reward was one of the most satisfying in the whole game and gave me probably my most memorable and enjoyable story from the entire experience. So I kind of like that they didn't Mm. give me that overt um, mission prompt. And you actually can get an overt mission prompt if you talk to some NPCs in Lookout Landing, I figured out after the fact, Mm. because it was another one of those where they were like, hey, there's this really cool item in the depths, go find it. And then they were like, you've already got it. That's so cool. Um, But being able to find that on your own was, I found that incredible. And that's when the freedom the game gives you, for me, absolutely works and justifies itself in why when I think, okay, I see what you're trying to do. And in this instance, you absolutely nailed it.
2: I think that's the thing. The gamble that they're doing with just laying out all these... Like I mentioned before about the teleport thing is something that is like a... like a, To me, is a core ability that I would argue you should have from the beginning. The gamble with spreading so many of those things around, like the auto-build, like the ability to even just expand your inventory. If you don't find Hestu, like Breath of the Wild, you won't get more inventory space. And he moves around the map as well. Um, even the um, the fairies and the fairy fountains. Like um to... Um, upgrade weapons or equipment. Like, you can go... Th- and I went the whole game not seeing a single one of them. Like, um, that stuff being so optional, the gamble is that when you do stumble upon it, it'll feel like you found that. Yeah. And you made your game better because you found it. It's just that that risk-reward, I thought, was more pronounced towards the risk side of it in this than it was in Breath of the Wild because mm. there are more powers in this. There's more things that you want to be playing with um, and you don't have the battery power. You don't have the enough Zonai charges. Like, it's just that... I don't know they get in their own way in a few to me in terms of some of the economy of it like the um that thing you said about using auto build when I finally had that and I started using it I would just run out of the charges and it's like right. okay go back down to them into the depths and just grind just go find some stuff go to some caves grind out some bright bloom seeds like you'll not be able to see so you need to be down there you can build something with some lights but like it was that doesn't see far enough to me as far as like the breath of the bright bloom stuff some of that stuff got a little bit too bogged down in its economy rather than just being as free as the rest of the game
3: no that's interesting because you know we we've mentioned this when we we were talking about our non-spoiler thoughts of about uh, teaser of the kingdom mm. previously, but the way I was playing, that I never encountered that scarcity of resources, and the economy just kind of flowed really well because mm. I I knew that using the zoni charges to create one of the auto building machines would cost me dearly, mm. but I always had about two hundred to three hundred of them, so. Right. I, It was always uh, something I could tank and then I would have to be knowledgeable enough to build something improvised to get past the next puzzle, for instance, Mm -hmm. while I restocked what I'd used and then use it again without fear of completely, you know, going bankrupt, (laughs) for lack of a better term. So the economy actually worked in my favor in a way I don't think it necessarily did for you. Yi- I just found it like a sort of a, enjoyable.
2: Yeah, like it's just a, a, a pointless restriction. Like, just right. why not let me just use the auto-build? Like, I don't even... Like, other than forcing you down into the depths, but you need to go down there anyway, like, especially towards the end of the game to help find Ganon or find the Yiga clan and everything. Like, like other than just there's a resource down there if you find some enemies, fight them in the dark and get some loot. So I was like... I, I mean, I effing hated the depths. So that's my side. <laughs> we'll get to the depths at some yeah. point
3: because I think that's our big diversion. But honestly, to me them not just giving you unlimited resources and allowing you to auto-build whatever you want. Actually, for me anyway, it wasn't about going to the depths to replenish those resources. It mm. was about using other contraptions and building other things because I got one auto-build thing that pretty much would have solved every main sky puzzle in the game. It was like a rocket platform that just yeah. launched you That's into the That's what I started sky.
2: doing towards the end. Yeah, yeah
3: absolutely. And I, I used that to beat one of the temples because I just had enough resources and could do it. But if that was infinite, I'd have used that every step of the way. Like mm. I'd have that would be the most efficient solution to my problems. And I wouldn't have wanted to build a balloon contraption <laughs> or anything like that. So the finite resources encouraged me to do other things and to approach um puzzles from different angles with different contraptions and different machines mm. because um I needed to, otherwise I would waste these um, rare, well, rare-ish resources on incredibly expensive items mm-hmm. um, when I could just use what's around me and build, you know, uh, a more ramshackle contraption, but yeah. one that will
2: still do the job. That was, yeah, I mean, I that, that was the same for me, but it was like towards the end, it was like, it was just focusing on the most efficient thing. It was like, let me let me put a rocket on a shield and me block so I can fly straight up like, it was, just yeah, it was that kind of thing, and, like, but because things were so item-restricted, uh, then, like, yeah, it meant that, like, well, I've got some rockets, I can just put that on, I can use fuse, I can just put that on a shield, um, rather than be constantly encouraged to build and build and build and build more complex stuff and, and whatever. um It's just, I don't know, like, the 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 structure of it is the thing cuz like i think there's a whole problem this game has with rewards mm. um i think the the rewards you get either from the combat encounters or from meaningfully going off the beaten path if you don't stumble onto one of the main things are pretty terrible like it's always just here's a gem here's like 10 arrows like they really just don't know what to put in those chests and yeah. it's just like it's quite arbitrary stuff that you're picking up um so like that i just i think some of it kind of compounds the idea of exploration like it's both I should go at these points on the map. I should be like building all this different stuff. But at the beginning I don't have the control stick. I can't actually steer anything. And like and I'm running out of resources. Oh, that thing blew up anyway. And then there's a for me, there's a way the bottom can fall out. And it did at the beginning of the review period for me. Um, where I was like, Oh, I could i kinda just go anywhere, I can kinda just do a few different things. Yeah. Um I can't fully control the stuff that I want to, but I'm burning through resources. This isn't really a fun feeling. Right. Like I wanna just have fun with this stuff. Um and so like it frees up, but it's it is so resource dependent that yeah. like you explored enough that you had enough resources that it wasn't a problem, but yep. I would argue that because it wasn't a problem, they should have just got rid of it.
3: Nah, see, to me, because it, it it was a problem, but it just wasn't a, pr- it wasn't a game-breaking problem. Mm. Like, I think you might have gotten there where the bottom could fall out and you could just be completely out of resources. It was a problem that I was thinking about mm-hmm. in terms of... You know, I can't just build anything I want because I would run out. It was always something to manage, which to me struck the balance because, yeah, it meant that I was thinking about it, but it also meant that because I was thinking about it and trying to navigate it as best as possible, Mm. I wasn't, you know, at that point allowing myself to run out. There was always an alternate solution Mm. to my issues, um, and it was about being aware of keeping those resources topped up, so it's like, it was just the right amount of a problem to make it worthwhile, uh, rather than just eliminate it entirely. I would have had less fun with the game if they did what you said, and just, you know, allow you to have full access to all of those abilities, and...
2: uh, Letting you build more stuff would have made it less fun for you. No, well, yeah, yeah, like I said. That's crazy to me. Because
3: it's the efficiency thing. If I could just build anything, like like I said, you know, I I would just build the most efficient thing and then solve all my problems that way and Mm. it would become rote and it would become boring. I wouldn't have the pressure of, one, finding the ingredients to build this stuff, Mm. but two, implementing them and have it Work like you said. Everything in this game is like risk reward. If yeah. you eliminate that risk, to me it's just it's the thing less is, satisfying.
2: Yeah, that's true. I mean that, that's the thing. And when it is satisfying, it is god tier, five star satisfying. Yeah. It's just that their risk is that the bottom could fall out, and you could just you can get lost in the depths, so you cannot find a core ability or whatever it is. The thing is, I remember the first time when you go down a high roll, like I said, I had that feeling of like, oh this is. Just, I was loving being in the sky, and I you loving being on the the highway. It just looks the same. I'm running the same. It feels the same. And um, I remember coming across the first lot of um, the President Hudson Hudson's building materials. And you find like a bunch of planks of wood and some like boards and some wheels. And I was like, oh, the game wants me to build a car. That's awesome. And I just did. I just built a car. And then I, I was like, well, I can't steer it. So like, I'll <laughs> put like a fan on the back of it. And I, and I put some flame emitters on the front of it. So I like flew off in a direction. I was like, this is great. And then like the flames like um, set fire to the grass in front of me. And then I just went up in flames. And I, I just laughed because I how stupid it yeah. was. But then the next time I came across one of those President Hudson materials, I didn't bother building anything. Because I knew I couldn't, I knew how that was going to go to some degree, and I can build a cart and put and and fly it in one direction, but I can't steer it or anything. Mm. And so it was like, and when they finally start giving you the the ability to steer, even that is a finite resource. So like you can stock up on them, yeah. Um, but again, it's just that idea of like you can have a lot of fun to a point. Like we're gonna like you're gonna have to go somewhere else and get more of these sticks, then you can come back. I do think a core um, difference between us is that my to
3: a point of the fun was way higher than Mm. yours. Like, the ceiling of it was way higher. Like, I could have a lot of fun (laughs) before I hit that point. You know what I mean? It never felt like I only had one steering wheel and I had to use it in the most important moment. No, I
2: never, like, it was rare that it got like that. It's right. just it's just being aware of, like, the purpose behind the building, the purpose behind the mod kit they've bolted onto Breath of the Wild. Like, that was the thing that I, like, all of this, like, hovers around. Like, what are you using this stuff for? And what's yeah, the, What's true. the real reason for it?
3: I suppose going back to what you mentioned there about, you know, um, building that car and not having a steering wheel, to me that was exciting because I liked the sense of escalation that the building had. Mm. Every time I felt like I'd mastered a rudimentary machine, I would get bigger wheels, or I would get a better Mm. turning stick, or I would get bigger batteries to power it for longer. In that kind of sense of escalation, and looking forward to making things that are, you know, really... cool to use Mm. but also easy to use and you're not having to plank a horrible fan on the back of the (laughs) car and then fan it to turn left and right like that was satisfying in in and of itself because it felt like i was actually progressing it felt like i was getting stronger and smarter and had more things at my disposal than in the first hour where, you know, I was building the worst things imaginable <laughs> and just about getting from point A to B. Again, it's a, it's a risk though because, like you said, for some people, a bottom will fall out and then they won't enjoy that escalation and mm. might just want access to that stuff right away because they have teased you with it.
2: Yeah, the thing is like I do love that. That build, uh, Like ironically, whatever, the pardon the pun, is is the point. Like, you're meant to get more comfortable with this stuff. And I remember at the beginning thinking, like, oh my god, I could fall off these islands at any point and just plummet to the ground and I'm sure at some point I'll become, become comfortable in the sky, and when you get used to using the uh, the flying um, objects that you have, standing on different parts of them to arc through the sky, I was like, this is beautiful, this is like falling with style like yeah. in Toy Story, um, and, you, and it's obviously an intentional ramp up, it's just that by tying a resource grind to it, you've kind of done the thing that I guess, and, and this is maybe entirely subjective, It's the thing that Minecraft had. It's like I'd love to build this nice little house, this hut. I'd love to do this thing, but I need to go over there and grind for an hour to get a specific resource that may or may not be in that cave. And then I need to come all the way back and then try and build. Oh, I need three more. I need to go back over there and get this. Like um, that's why these games, uh, Minecraft, various uh, tear down or whatever, have build modes to just let. uh, No Man's Sky has one just to let you have fun with it. And Zelda, obviously, you can argue back and forth on whether whether it needed a build mode or something. But um, it's just yeah, it's just how much the resource side of it affects what is the most sellable aspect of it
3: totally and i mean i can only say my side of um the experience and that's that i never had any grind which was great if i did have a period where i had to go grind for an hour for resources i'd probably be entirely with you in fact (laughs) i know i would be entirely with you because i would think that was bad design and boring and not fun for me personally but i can just say that thankfully i never ever. Had that. I only, I only, I'm,
2: yeah, mine, it didn't define the experience. It just came into view more towards the end. And um, But it was it was also tied in with the thing I said before about how the game just kind of roadblocks you at some point. Like it's super, it's like a diamond shape. Like it's super freeing to a yeah. point. And then the game is like, oh, but have you, actually, have you done this? Okay, where's Ganon? Okay, we need to go find this. Um, and I found those like needle in a haystack moments to be like, Pretty lame, like, right? Okay, but um, but you—if you do spend enough time just exploring, you'll stumble upon them anyway. We both found the um, the cloud shrouded temple in completely different ways. Yeah, I skydived down onto it, and I think you freed it up from the ground up or something. You did like a whole uh, set of missions on the ground. Yes, so like that's like a whole risk reward thing as well. But there's something about a game just saying like, "Hey, the thing you need's out there somewhere." That I just I I'm like a computer. That just malfunctions. <laughs> I don't even know what to do with that information. I'm like, I I need something. It's out there somewhere.
3: Well, well, I enjoyed that stuff because I mean, I loved Breath of the Wild uh, because it. it it eliminated more or less the regular waypointing of missions mm-hmm. in open world games and Zelda and um, Tears of the Kingdom for me, in those moments towards the late game where it said, you know, you need to go find the fifth sage. It gave me enough information to work off, and Mm. I had seen enough of the map that I could kind of piece uh, everything together Mm. quite quickly, so it never got to a point where I was just randomly exploring the map, not knowing which direction to go in, and kind of hoping to stumble upon that needle in a haystack mm-hmm. it was it just it wasn't that for me i kind of had the framework of what i needed to do and it was just sort of implementing that and again like the games are so one to do it kind of relied on my own brain to put it together <laughs> in a way that felt satisfying when i did you know for instance they t- tell you about like Zona ruins and um, towards the end of the game that will be a big help for mm-hmm. you and all the way through the game i remembered the Zonai ruins from Kakariko Village Mm -hmm. that you can't enter because um, Zelda, apparently, you know, fake Zelda, said no one's allowed in. So immediately when they said that, I thought, well, that's the first place I'm going to check out. (laughs) And that was the solution. So uh, I never had that kind of massive roadblock of getting frustrated and not being able to progress. I felt like... They gave me enough threads to follow Mm. that I managed to weave it together. But that could have fallen down, especially if you're a player, and this isn't you, by the way, just Mm. a player who gets to that early and hasn't maybe even seen those runes or don't, Mm. Haven't been to certain areas of the map, and kind well, for of me, it was like, like you have to just go off.
2: Yeah, it was certain parts of those ruins where I thought I'd seen enough stuff there, but then it's like, yeah, that bit at the game where it's at the end of the game where it kind of just roadblocks you, it's like, okay, do you have the master sword? Right, cool. Um, okay, like where where where's Ganon? Okay, he's out there somewhere. Okay, is he in the castle? Well, we've been there. Right, he's not there. He's somewhere else. Okay, cool. Um, like you need to go find these other items, and it just that, that whole thing of just like it's out there somewhere, and I like, go find the other temple. Um, it's it, there's another temple somewhere. Oh, there must be a fifth sage. Oh, okay. Like that just felt so thrown. Together, it's like we need to pad this out. It was like, and it's very Zelda, like. But it's also one of those things that, like, in Zelda history, people notoriously hated that they, when they they fixed things like the Ocarina of Time Water Temple when it was back out on 3DS, they overhauled Wind Waker HD's ending. Wind Wind Waker's ending in HD. Because um, that game used to have you just finding 12 pieces of something in the open world. And then Nintendo were like, yeah, that was a bit much. So they made it like eight or five or something. And Skyward Sword has it as well, where you're going back and forward all the time trying to get these different things. It's like, can we just sort of like have a natural end point, rather than just a roadblock go find a thing?
3: Here's where I disagree, right? Of course he does. Because with Skyward Sword, I absolutely agree. The roadblocking at the end of that game feels so arbitrary. Mm. And you're going back into worlds you've already been to. You're going to find three or four things And it feels arbitrary. Mm. It feels like padding. Here, yeah, they give you vague instructions, which I can totally get why some people wouldn't like that. But I always found when you figured out where you had to go, that bit of content was satisfying and worthwhile. Some of my favorite, my favorite temple is the final one you do. Mm. And so that kind of roadblocking at the end at least gave me these discrete bits of content in these new gameplay scenarios that I thought were incredible. Mm. Yeah, I know you skipped it entirely, but um, getting rid of the um, storm in that mm. Sky Island uh, was great. Like the little puzzle that you have to do um, surrounding that, the area is cool. You get a nice new armor set. You talk mm. to a few NPCs. It was just a cool mission and one that I'll remember. After 70 hours of open world exploring, in the same with the final temple and the same with the final dive under Hyrule Castle. So I do agree that it is kind of roadblocking, but not in the same way as a skyward sword where it felt like the thing you're doing wasn't fun. At least here, I thought the content was
2: good enough to justify yeah. it. And I have like a, I have a million other examples of when I stumbled upon something and it was beautiful. Like again, like those are always the five star moments. It's just like you have there's a certain like feeling of like tranquility and serenity to Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom that is like I'm just on this journey. And I'm gonna come across things and it'll feel good and it'll all come together. And I felt like Breath of the Wild did a better job of managing, like of, of guide of a guiding hand, an invisible guiding hand. Whereas um Tears of the Kingdom has had to make that hand very obvious towards the end and be like, actually, you've not got that. It's somewhere. Go find it. Um whereas like, I found the Breath of the Wild because they were managing less. It was just four points on the map and then Ganon. Yeah. Um, it was a lot easier to sort of like, you know, mop the things up in between, like the Hestu 2 stuff or whatever. Um, but let's talk about the depths yes. um, because the depths are the thing that like towards the end of the because I did very little in the depths I was like this is a very unpleasant place to be I can't see anywhere the first time I went down there I did actually really enjoy it because I had a ton of bright bloom seeds and I was just firing them out ahead of myself I was like oh it's really cool that they've committed to this entire undermap thing um, and I'll just kind of explore like bit by bit and see where they hit like in the darkness and they're illuminating different paths and everything. And I sort of spent a bit of time down there. I was riding around on a bone and horse for a bit and I got a bunch of items and everything. And I was like, I've kind of had my fill of that. That's mm. that's fine. I hate levels in the dark. I hate the one <laughs> in the Hollow Knight that just is in the dark. It sucks. Um, I just I just can't stand it because I want to know where I'm going. And, um, and so it's that, I was like, I'm fine with that. So I went back to the surface and did the rest of the game. Right. And then at the very end, it roadblocks you and says, like, Ganon's out there somewhere, but we don't know. Um, and obviously, he's underneath the castle. But, like, I, in the moment, I was like, well, I don't know. Like, it could be anywhere. And I was like, I guess he's in the depth somewhere. Um, and obviously, the more you fight the Yiga Clan members, they talk about um, the Demon King and like and, and working for him. And I was like, okay, if I follow this through. But then, because I hadn't done any of that depth stuff, because it's fundamentally optional until that point, um, it was all depth stuff. And I was just down in the darkness trying to find Yiga members and trying to find Ganon, fighting bright blooms, firing out bright bloom seeds, running out of them leaving to get more, coming back down, and just hating it. Just, oh, I'm walking into another wall in the darkness again. This absolutely sucks. My favorite
3: stint with this game took place (laughs) in the depths, and I'll tell you why. Because the depths itself, when I was just randomly exploring, similarly to how I was just randomly exploring Hyrule for a little bit, um, when I was just doing that, I didn't like it, Mm. because I thought, well, what are the rewards versus the cost that I'm putting in? You know, the bright bloom seeds, or whatever. Mm. And I wasn't getting much from it. But once I started getting missions that took me down to the depths and curated content down there, that's when it completely unlocked for me because, mm. like I said, the mission that took me down to find the goddess got me the auto builder, which put me onto the Yiga clan, and then I was following them, In that little stint felt so fresh and so new and so curated that I, um, I couldn't help but completely love it because... It was just something new, Scott Tailford. It was the (laughs) sense of discovery that I got from Breath of the Wild. It was this brand new location that I didn't know how to navigate. Mm. Oh, I agree with that, Step um, brought something exciting out of the darkness, a new enemy to fight, a new little encampment, a lot of resources that I needed. So it just gave me the thrill of exploration that I wasn't necessarily getting on the surface. Yeah. That element... um,
2: initially, like, appeal to me so much. Because, I mean, that's the thing. I, I, like... I exaggerated before, but I did the rest of the game. I did every now and then. I would drop back through one of those portals and do a little bit more. You know, tap into one of those trees, and then when you realize that they all match up with the shrines on the surface, that's really cool. Yeah, and then you could start making um, like map markers on the surface, and then and then realizing oh, if I just follow that underground, I'll get to something. Like it was fine. It, it was just like it was just one of those things where it was just after hours and hours and hours and hours of it, I was just like, oh my god, can we turn the light on? Oh, like, I am man. sick of this. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of those things where like it is rewarding and it's, it's just enjoyable to a point. But I just think that like it was just the way that I played it. It was just like the order of it. If you were doing enough of the depths the entire time, then you wouldn't have the roadblock where you just need to go find someone because you might have probably or, you would have already found the Yiga stuff. Yeah. The irony is as well, like that down in the depths, you do need to rely on the mechs a lot more, the, the building stuff a lot more. Um, because you're strapping torches to stuff Um, or maybe you're making a sled with some uh, torches on the front or something. And then the auto build is down there too and the default thing that it gives you is the sled with the lights on it. So it makes sense to go go around in that. I just always found that every time I built a sled or something with momentum, I would hit something I couldn't see and fall over or hit a wall or fall down a trench or whatever and I just couldn't see it. So after a while, I was like, no, this just sucks. It's just dark.
3: See, it's funny, man, because um, I love the depths because it allows me to conquer a space that seems unconquerable initially. And that's what I love in all open world games It's going into the unknown and slowly but surely becoming a master
2: of Mm. that space.
3: And I never uncovered all of the depths. There's still so much down
2: there that I have not seen. I love, sorry, super quick. I love that all the amiibo costumes in Breath of the Wild are down there. Is that right? Absolutely effing awesome. You can just just save yourself 70 pounds and go find the Ocarina of Time set down there.
3: But like I, I I I have not seen everything down there, but I I've conquered enough in terms of the missions that required me to get from place to place that mm. I felt like I was uncovering something on the journey. It felt like I was making progress. Mm. I was lighting up this area. I was getting from one um, lamp to the other, and I was getting from one um, forge to the other, and I was making like connections. I was kind of death stranding. I was just it. gonna you know say I mean? yeah. it. me that exact same feeling. Depth stranding. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, and it's it was a solid sense of progression. It was like more rewarding than the actual rewards mm. on the surface. And I thankfully got there quite early to where the rewards were stacking up and the sense of progression was there, you know, hunting down the Yiga clan was excellent. And then that gave me the ultimate reward of finding out where Ganon is mm. and knowing that he's deep under the castle. So one of the first things I did when I got out of that depth stint was go under the castle (laughs) and see if I could get to Ganon, and I was able to. Mm. I was able to get right just before, right up until the point where you fight him, and Mm -hmm. you're fighting his uh, minions, you know, and you're taking on his army, I think they call it. Yeah, the demon army. And I managed to kill the demon army, but because I hadn't finished all the temples, that's when one of the temple bosses that I hadn't seen dropped down and Uh. just killed me instantly. (laughs) Um, And it was just so exciting that I managed to have this you know, five, six, maybe even more hour stint of going into the depths, mm. finding all of this stuff, accumulating this knowledge, having a sense that I've conquered this space at least as much as I needed to, mm. and then taking that knowledge to the surface and you know, actioning it by going down to f- try to find Ganon. It mm. was just, it was man, it was it was five star stuff. It that's was the unreal. thing. I mean,
2: I'm, we're talking about. I mean, I'm talking about something that I've spent hundred hours on as a game. I've had those experiences too. It was just that over time, the the bad parts outweighed the good parts. Like, because I've done that, obviously, minus the specifics of you finding Ganon, but that idea of conquering the space that's by far the best thing about it, and that's what I got out of it when I first went down there. And mm. um, it was just that idea of like, I could, I know where I want to be. I've made my map markers. I've got my lights ready. I've built some stuff. Let's do it i I fell down a ravine or I've like tipped over or I can't I've, actually there's a wall there and like oh I can see where I want to be I can see the tree thing yeah um but like oh link just fell now and I, oh, now I'm in I'm inside something that I can't see and I, I don't know oh, that was my last bright bloom seed so now I'm just stuck down here <laughs> it was just that whole thing where like I said the bottom kind of fell out of it a little bit but when it works, it's it's beautiful. It's brilliant. I it's th- just for me, it didn't work consistently.
3: I wonder how much again. That's uh, that's resource dependent because I was down in the depths so much, did all of that stuff, mm. and by the end of the game, I still had six hundred bright bloom right. seeds.
2: Yeah, but you you spent like was it like twenty thirty hours in the opening bit though? There was oh well, all... yeah, sort of mean. That's what I
3: mean. That's yeah, I, mean. I spent like twenty five hours in the opening bit getting to the first temple uh, going into all the caves going down mm-hmm. all the wells and all that stuff so I was <laughs> I was always well stocked up throughout the game but this is what I mean you know if you didn't do that you'd have a terrible time in the depths probably because like you said you'd be running out of bright bloom seeds you'd mm-hmm. have to be more precious over how you use them you'd have to feel your way around there a little bit more and it would mm-hmm. be uh, nightmarish whereas I was down there and I was like I said I was forging my path I was mm-hmm. shooting out these bright bloom seeds everywhere I had the armor that glowed as well so which gave me a little bit of a
2: which looks an insane glowing
3: ray yeah, it absolutely does. <laughs> and then later on, I was doing what you mentioned, building these machines that had lights on them mm. to illuminate as I went. So I never got those frustrating moments that you did where you're like, oh, I've fallen into this place. I thankfully never experienced that, which is. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, I always
2: chose to go down there, but it was just one of those things. Yeah, it was just that thing of like, not feeling like any of the um, solutions that you had to the darkness in terms of the light would actually stretch far enough to have any utility to it in terms of movement. Like unless I crawl through like, like obviously it's running, but I mean crawl um speed wise through that place, I'm always gonna fall down somewhere. I'm always gonna hit some sort of roadblock. I'm always gonna get arrowed from some dude off the screen or whatever. Like this just mm. I just didn't have a whole lot of fun down there overall. But there were parts where I, I got it. I totally got what they were going for. And there were bits that worked. But it was just it's just one of those things with the order of how I did it where it was just like we need to find Ganon, go back down in the devs, go do all this stuff that you could have done seventy hours ago if we didn't even remotely push you towards um, and now it becomes super resource heavy and now it all falls apart. I will, I mean, you're going to disagree with this because
3: yeah. you just said it there, but <laughs> I will disagree with the idea that they don't push you down there. Okay. I think one of the first missions you get in Lookout Landon is to talk to that person who wants you to go down to the depths. Yeah, and then probably. if you talk to them again, mm. that's when you get the mission to go down and get the auto builder. If you're talking to those people, I do think the game pushes you down there enough. Mm. And even when you're in the sky, you're always unlocking those chests that, you know, put an X on a True. point down in the depths to say, like, the stuff down there. There were enough discrete missions for me and enough other subtler indicators to go down there that mm. I always felt I was going down with purpose. I never went into the depths to just see what I would find. Right. It was going down to do a mission, or it was going down to travel to one of those
2: X's on the maps those to X's see what was there. All the amiibo costumes, by the way. If um, you ever want to pick them up. That's the cool the cool old tunics. Is that right? For the most part, yeah. Um you get all the different sets from the entire 35 years of Zelda. Even the original yeah. one um made like modern. Um yeah that's true. I mean it was just one of those things where like, yeah, I agree the first mission is there and you have to follow the statues. It was even that wasn't that fun. Just sort of like, oh the statues pointing that way. But they go on for like fifty of them. So did that phrase um go back up, tell Robbie that you've done it and like you found whatever that first thing is that you find. I didn't I didn't feel a pull after that. Um, I because I'm trying to find Zelda. I'm going to go do the temples. I'm going to go do the things that would like do the main thread. Um, please check out the Wackles of Gaming uh, podcast we do on gaming habits for exactly yes. why we're like this. Um, but yeah, I didn't feel much of a pull too then until like I said, 70 hours later, the game's like, no, you actually need to go find something, and it's Neil in a haystack, and the haystack's in the dark. Mm. So go find it. Um, that was the bit that like sort of fell apart for me. Um, let's talk about sages and um, and Ganon stuff. I was going to talk about Ganon before. Um, thoughts on Ganon? I don't think you're a huge fan.
3: Um, I like
2: Ganon enough. He's a I good lad. I wish he
3: spent more time in his skeletal form. No. I'm a little bit upset that we only got the opening it's and then the only bit of the ending. It's not the worst. What do you mean? This skeleton Ganon is so cool. He's a little scary guy. He's menacing. He looks like Voldemort or something. I actually kind of was upset when you went down for the final battle and he immediately turned into his Ganondorf yeah. self that you'd seen in the cutscenes. It's incredible. Sure, I'm sure Zelda fans, lifelong Zelda fans, were absolutely loving yeah. that moment. I wanted something a little bit spookier, and I didn't get it, Scott Tilford But I think he's, I think he's good. Like I said, his role in the cutscenes and um, from the tears themselves mm. are amazing. I like his role within that story. Mm. I kind of have an issue where I almost wish I was playing that story instead of this one.
2: I'd probably back that. You know what I mean? Because yeah.
3: I wanted more of Ganon's presence in the actual game world, and I understand why he's not. He's mm. kind of down there. He's regaining his strength, and he does throw up phantom ganons that you can I like fight. like yeah. But I wish his presence was felt a
2: little bit more. Mm. Um, Same with the Zonai and, and Rauru and everything, to be honest. like The Zonai, you see like one throne room where there's more than two of them? Yeah. But for the most part, it's Rauru and the Queen?
3: Yeah, 100%. And I just kind of... I just. I I liked him and I liked them Mm. and I just wish they played a little bit more prominence in the story. But then again, like I said before, would I, would I have even enjoyed that because I don't play this game for the story. But (laughs) as a main villain, um, I would have liked to, I would have liked for his beef with Link to be more pronounced because it, like I said, I, I would rather play the flashbacks because that was personal, you know. Yes, that that beef was personal. It had stakes. Whereas Link, it kind of feels like a footnote to that story
2: when it comes in. He old. kills him. That's like the whole point, though. That's like their monomyth framing right. because it's like you're talking about like a war between the ultimate demonic, like evil hell thing, and the ultimate light. Like it, and Link is the unassuming hero who's just thrown in the middle of that, who like ends up saving the day. Like Link is not on Ganon's radar, like right, for the okay. vast vast majority. Like it, it tend, it's it's the Luke Skywalker Palpatine thing. Like, um, that's why I love a hyper evil Ganon in this, with the big red hair, and he's huge, and he's got a samurai sword, like a talent. He just looked like an absolute tank, and I was yeah. just like, this is great. If you're going to do an evil AF character um, who's going to cackle and be maniacal and everything, um, it was, like, perfect. But we are talking about a very threadbare character. Like, they've barely ever fleshed out his motivations or anything. Like, you get a bit more in this, mm. um, but it's still just, I want ultimate power, I want to take over, like, yeah.
3: I loved the fight with him. I thought that, like, three-stage fight was incredible. You know, the first one-on-one was really cool. Finally being able to use the Master Sword and Mm. uh, take on this guy. Then when he splits into the various versions of himself and you're kind of juggling all of that, Mm -hmm. I... One of my favorite moments of the entire year is when you get into the second phase with him and his health bar goes off the screen. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was so fun and so funny and playful. And it's like, yeah, I want to take this guy down. He's so powerful. Yeah, man. And now it's, uh, now it's personal between he, uh, me and him. And then that obviously escalates even further to him turning into a dragon, which made for this mm. spectacular set piece I loved all of that stuff. I thought uh, the game ended yeah. so strong.
2: That bit with the dragons at the very end was very glitchy for me. Mm. Um, just sort of like Link being stuck in his like skydive animation as he rubs around Ganon trying no. to do stuff. And I was like, ah. And then the whole thing they have to program with uh, Zelda catching you anyway. Like I would like rub around Ganon and then ping off to the side and then the momentum of that movement would like lock in place again and then Zelda would catch me so I could do it again. Um, I, that was one of those things where I loved the music and what they were going for but the game did not present that very well but that might have been an early review thing that is such a shame because it It was funny man (laughs) i I had a i had one moment
3: where i fell through his dragon body when i shouldn't like i just clipped through but thankfully that was just once in the entirety of the Mm. fight and everything else was pretty smooth and the scale was big and it worked as intended Mm. like you said the music's there swelling the escalation of the fight is crazy seeing zelda's dragon fight ganon's dragon and he's so he's so big in his (laughs) dragon form and she seems so small even though she seemed uh, huge previously it Mm -hmm. just it nailed it zelda turning back into a person, and then falling from the sky, and you have to skydive and grab her. Yeah, um, it was just the perfect end to the game. I thought. I yeah, thought definitely. it was
2: even more memorable than Breath of the Wilds, which I also enjoyed. Ooh, uh, yeah. I just, I think I prefer Breath of the Wilds because I like the fact that it comes down to one arrow shot. Yeah. Like you're in midair, you've created your own updraft, and then the music like crescendos and goes into super slow as you nail that one final shot that saves the day. I think I'm always gonna love that one shot thing. Um, but they're both great. Um, sage stuff is interesting. Like you get a power per sage, they do the same it stands to be the same cutscene every single time. So annoying. The, by the way. same yeah, the same dialogue, the same like framing, the same like, yo, know, this is your ancestor, they're really proud of you, whatever. It is the same thing all four times, and I get that's because they didn't know what temple people were going to do first, even though the majority seem to have done the Rito temple first um, in the Northwest that was a bit disappointing that it was that was that where it was like Breath of the Wild to a false where I was like this is just the same thing yeah. over and over and over again because we, we did that in Breath of the Wild and it was a complaint six years ago. I thought the sages were kind of
3: underutilized and a mm. little bit underbaked for me especially the powers that you get from them. they weird. I, I liked the um, the one from I think it's Rio Village where you get the the draft the and, the, and the gust of mm-hmm. wind that allows you to um, f- d- d- glide a little bit further yep. but the rest, like, I, I never used, like, I used, really? the, I used the
2: lightning when I had to. Oh, I used them all the time, I thought, really? like, the, oh, dude, I was, man. like, comboing them and everything. What? Like, yeah, I think, like, I mean, you've got, like, because I would set, oh, I forget the name of the specific sages, but you've got the, the lightning sage, so I would set her off, and that slowly makes an increasingly big um, area of effect, then I would tap into the boulder guy and fire him off, because that's a ranged attack, and then, as that, like, lightning's getting bigger, I would, like, channel that at whatever little cluster of enemies are there. Right. The only one I wasn't using in combat was, was Ritos, because that's more of a maneuverability thing, but then, even Side on, I mean, you have like, if you put his shield on, you can absorb one hit. So it's always good to have that active. Like I actually, I mean, I, I think they work pretty well. It's just that like, there was more you could have done in terms of leveling them up and stuff. I found it cumbersome, man. Right. Like, I found having to go up to
3: each of the Sages. Running press, after them to yeah. be like, please can I do your thing? Running after them, pressing the button, then pressing it again to utilize mm. their power. And it, it, it. funnily enough, this is the one thing that broke for me more often than it worked. There was so many <laughs> points, right? There was so many points where I just defeated a boss. Uh, and then I went to pick up the um, components on the ground. Because the pickup button is the same button that you use to as activate the As the blow it away from me button. As the blow it away from me button. And then I had to watch as I pressed the button thinking I was going to pick it up. And watching a gust of wind come in and blow it off a ledge. I was like, why have you done this to me? The game's sick sense of humor is uh, tooled on me here. And... Um, in, in, In more seriousness, though, in a more serious... That's a totally valid thing, uh, though. I had that, too. Yeah, it is, right? But in terms of utilizing them in combat, I found it just as cumbersome. Like, they were always kind of grouped together, so I was running in between them, Mm. having to move the camera so I could look at one, and then, like I said, hit the button. And by the time I'd done that, I probably could have defeated the enemy regardless. I will say that I didn't get the bolder guy until the very, very end of the Mm. game, like, um, by that point, I was moving on to the endgame stuff, and I wasn't doing any more exploring. Mm. So I utilized him, but he wasn't a constant companion in oh, the I, like, same way. I, like, send him into enemy Ah, oh, see, I would have loved to have done that a little bit more, but I got him so late that I just mm. didn't manage to use him. And they were... To me, more of an afterthought than anything else. Mm -hmm. I thought, I've already got this great selection of powers. Why almost dilute that in a little way? Especially because I think, you know... Oh,
2: we should talk about the powers. I think that's such a cop-out. What? The wheel that they give you, three... There's an amiibo slot, there's a map slot, and there's a camera slot. Yes, like, showing that as a blank power wheel at the beginning mm. is is almost insulting to what they give you later on. That's brutal. That. I I honestly think it's that's a cop out. What? Yeah,
3: but but the
2: ah oh, nah man an amiibo dedicated amiibo slot and a map there's a map button you don't need another thing on the wheel I agree I agree to Jesus
3: it's a use to me but mm. I I think the powers that you get you know the fuse ability you know the the ability to jump up
2: no they're, they're great yeah I just mean the wheel is a cop out the, oh, the, the, the right way that it. they tease oh they're gonna have all these powers coming guys and they don't they fill in super fast because it's like oh actually no it's, it's just they're just menu options
3: I kind of would have preferred the sage powers to go on there to Same. be able to activate them that way I will agree with that, yeah.
2: Because Going yeah. into your inventory to spawn or despawn them is absolute insanity. Yeah. Like, if you don't weird, want them to man. run around with you, yeah, you yeah. have to, like, manually turn them off.
3: I think because, like like you said, the game doesn't know when you're going to go to the temple, so mm. you can spend, if you wanted to, so much of the game without them. I think that's why they're not a more integrated part of your move set. But mm. yeah, I just kind of found them as an afterthought, in a way. Um, and to be honest, I didn't really love the temples themselves. I mm. think I like two out of No, I like three out of five. So to be fair, I like more than I thought. But some I was just kind of frustrated with that they didn't utilize more unique mechanics. Mm -hmm. The one in... And is it the Gerudo Desert mm-hmm. where you're like kind of like
2: you're going down below and you're using a lot of reflections and stuff? It was
3: it was okay. That's hilarious.
2: That was my, one of my my is the fire one, but I really liked that that lightning one. I love the boss in the in the ceiling as well. Uh,
3: oh, the bosses to them all, I think, are yeah. excellent. It's just like the actual puzzles themselves. Mm-hmm. The one that I loved was the water temple. I thought that was like sick. Mm-hmm. I thought the um the, the the one in Rito Village was was all right, but oh, I like that one bouncing off all the pirate chips and everything. I just had high expectations. Them because people mm. were saying like the classic Zelda um, dungeons and they're way better than the ones. I was in gonna say Breath it's in that the direction, Wild. but yeah, yeah, absolutely. But I found they were over quite quick, and yeah. some of them were really good, but they weren't these kind of culminating moments that really challenged mm. everything. That you would acquire to that point. It yeah. was just like a cool little area, I suppose. It's
2: definitely that whole thing which Breath of the Wild had, where the the entire world is the dungeon. Like the way we just described everything with the depths, mm. that's the mentality that you would have had in a previous dungeon in an older Zelda game. Cause like that's the they were the showpiece things in those older games. Like I'm going back through Minish Cap at the minute. And um those dungeons are like beautifully made. Like lots mm. of different layers to them and you're falling through to access different parts of them and everything. Um, yeah, I think that they've kind of inverted all that stuff. In, in, in new Zelda, they seem to have inverted that. The mentality that you would have is more about the open world. Um, but, I, I mean, I like the temples a lot. I thought they were like they were more reminiscent of old school Zelda, but not fully. But yeah. enough, like I was like, enough considering the rest of the game is so kind of like... Um, cerebral anyway that like um you have to have a certain mentality in terms of solving the puzzles like that water one um like i flew parts of the puzzle around the objects around to solve that puzzle nice um in a way that, that to this day i have no idea what i was supposed to do i just <laughs> attached a bunch of balloons <laughs> to a thing and flew it to where it was supposed to go and uh, which was great but like um yeah stuff like that where i was like this is enough like yeah for me.
0: that's
3: absolutely like it's it's enough mm-hmm. i don't think any of them were really outright bad. A few of them were frustrating for me personally, but Mm. they just, yeah, I was expecting a little bit more from them, especially because that was kind of one of the only big criticisms that I think most people could agree on with Breath of the Wild. And there was certainly improvement here, but yeah, I thought they would be bigger. I thought I would come out of the game pointing towards them as some of my favorite moments Mm. within the game. And I just, I I preferred the depths way more. I preferred the Sky (laughs) Islands way more, um, even though some of them were, great, like I mentioned, with them you know, freeing the uh, weather cloud from that mm-hmm. one skyline towards the end. That was really good, just mm-hmm. a little
2: bit inconsistent. My, um yeah, I love the fire temple and the light- I really like that lightning temple, but, but that lightning one, I felt like I was breaking it because I had loads of my own mirrors. Yeah. So I was setting up loads of my own mirrors and then I, I swear I, I unlocked something in the wrong order because I had to use a send to go up back through a part of the temple to get like back on track kind of thing. And I got into the boss area early as well. Oh, um, right. Because I, I went all the way up. Because <laughs> um, I love the whole thing in this game where you sort of like tuck link... Under like an outcrop, and then use ascent and go all the way up something huge, like an entire structure, a temple or something. And um, yeah, I arrived in what is later the boss area. And ah, it was just it was okay. like being like behind like a gig before it had started. <laughs> and it was just like the two trees are there, but nothing's happening. And it's just like yeah, it was kind of fun, like a, like a boundary break kind of thing.
3: I will say the bosses themselves are spectacular. Yeah. I thought they made the temples worthwhile. When I was fighting those, it felt like, okay, this is capping off a major moment Mm. in the game, and using the abilities of your companions in those instances made them worthwhile as well. It was just their implementation in the open world that I didn't vibe with, but when they were integral to the experience, it was good.
2: Who was your favorite boss?
3: My favorite boss, I think it was probably, even though I didn't love the temple, it was the big electric thing yeah. in the sky that you have to use the uh, paraglider to get around and you're mm. shooting it. I thought that was amazing.
2: Yeah, I like that one in terms of just the visual. I love the stance that Link does if you aim in a skydive. Yeah. He's like pulling, the uh, his legs are flailing. He's trying to like do, the, do the shot. In slow-mo, that thing's incredible. Like, um, I love that those bosses, I don't know if they are there um, beforehand, but loads of them double up in the depths. Um, like I fought that flying Rito guy really? down in the depths. Like yeah, yeah, you can just find them again. That's um, cool. They're like a different version. It's like a more sort of like demonic, like a dark blue version, um, like a bonier kind of version. Um, but yeah, they, like it's just the same fight, but like it's it's in the depths. And I was like that's kind of cool. But I don't know if they spawn because you've beaten their regular version or not. Yeah, that could be. Um, so I don't know if there's something. Yeah, I don't know if there's something out there in the lore, some some pickup or something that really says what the hell the depths are. Because hmm. it's like it's it, it mirrors Hyrule, like the um, the plants or whatever are doubled up where the shrines and stuff are. But it's like, did Ganon, is this the old world? Like, what is this? I love the implication, right? Mm. And you only get it towards the end where you go down
3: into where Ganon is and you go into the copy of Hyrule Castle Mm. and you kind of see the previous mural about that timeline. Mm. To me, I have no idea if this is legitimate. I have no idea about the law of Zelda. But it gave me the impression that everything that's happened in the past kind of is just built on mm. and like another version of Hyrule exists underneath the version that we're on now that had its own history that had its own hero versus villain story and then that's been forgotten because it's so deep down mm. that a whole new civilization a mirror civil, civilization has built on top of it and I love the implication that if you went even further than the depths you would find yet another Hyrule castle with <laughs> a mural about another um, Ganon Maybe right, okay. That has, you know, caused its own calamity down there. I just love that the idea of civilizations building on top of each other. Mm. And I don't know how that fits with Zelda law, but in my head I could at least rationalise it as that explains why this story is repeating because yeah. it's it's literally built on top of the previous versions. Oh, it's 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 hard to get my head around. They
2: but. did a huge book called the Hyrule Historia, where they tried to canonize the entire thing, even though they clearly never set out for it to be one giant story or anything. The nearest thing until that point was just the idea that Zelda was like a like a fairy tale being told around a campfire, and whoever's whoever's telling it. I'm talking like metaphorically, whoever's telling it. Like, you know, that's why Wind Waker looks cartoony because maybe a child's telling it. Yeah. Or Twilight Princess is more hard, like, a more um, a harsh art style because it's an adult telling it or something. That always felt like enough for me. I never needed it to have actual lore. They did do the Hyrule Historia, though, where they talked about different timeline resets and, like, Toon Link versus Regular Link. and whatever Mm -hmm. breath of the wild as far as i know was just was the reboot after all that stuff was tied together okay um but there are callbacks in breath of the wild to the other games like there are sets of islands that are named after npcs and different characters and stuff but i I love your idea of like one of them like the whole new new zelda is built on old zelda that's yeah yeah Um, yeah
3: they can almost all exist and everything happened it's (laughs) just that like time has moved on people have forgotten it's kind of like the ages in Dark Souls. You know right. what I mean? Like what age of fire will come in the age of dark? They will go back to the age of fire and we'll repeat <laughs> the same mistakes. We'll have um, kind of like mirrored versions of these same conflicts play mm. out with slight differences. I just thought I thought that was cool. It reminded me of... Um, is it the is it like the Forgotten City or whatever it's called that yeah. indie game that came out a few oh, years yeah. ago yeah Forgotten 2.
2: um I think you meant the Forgotten City in Dark Souls like oh, that. No, I no. over, yeah.
3: but that has a similar thing of civilizations being built on top of each other and you know people forgetting what's literally right
2: underneath them and I just mm-hmm. think that's that's neat if it's true but I could be <laughs> clutching <laughs> at straws I there I think the fact that they've stimulated that as a as a takeaway is great like that's really that's even more rewarding than like the specifics they, they don't give you specifics I think it's yeah. enough to to kind of run with um, yeah.
3: I will say Scott all Do the way it. through this game for as much as I loved a lot of the curated stuff so many moments like that mm. uh, fill my personal highlight reel you know we were talking about the bosses there mm. which were all great but honestly my favorite fight in the game was finally taken on a Gleok I think oh, they're yeah, called yeah. and you the big know triple headed dragons beating them and that was a great fight. The mm. different stages of that fight were epic, and I felt like I'd accomplished something. Did you find Finally, where they're from? I didn't find ah. where they're from. I have not found There's that a Gleok
2: Den. Is there? Yeah. Oh, that's exciting. I mean, it's, un- it's stupidly hard. Oh, I'm assuming. Um, I- I, like, you, you have to go in there to get one part of one of the costumes. Maybe it's a Wind Waker costume or something. Um, But yeah, there's a Gleok Den in the depths.
3: Well, this is it. Like, there's still so much of the game I've yet to uncover, because I've only beaten one in a final. That took me ages. Right. And I only... Beat it because I had the um, defenses against electricity that mm. allowed me to. But like, there's the fire, the fire ones that I haven't touched yet because they just absolutely decimate me
2: even when I get close. Did you find the multi-headed one as well? Sorry, they're all multi-headed, but the multi-elemental one.
3: I but found it, but I'm I'm scared right. to fight it because I, I beat the
2: that. the lightning one by freezing it all of its heads over and over again so that it falls down. And I just wailed on. It. I actually beat that. Re- not to brag, but that was quite straightforward. Right. Only because I elemental killed it. Yeah. Um, And then I I've like four other ones and I don't have the exact opposite element and I just get flanned. Yeah. So it's like, I died to the one that has the different elemental heads and I died in an instant in the Gliok den. Yeah. Um, So it's like, yeah, there's that. The thing, that that was my thing with the rewards though because I beat it. They give you a specific scale and I didn't know what to do with it. And I was like, I think there's, like, you can build some specific armor from it. I actually okay. don't think you can, but I was like, what do I do with this thing that I got? I think like so many of the monster drops, you just attach it to a weapon
3: and yeah. it makes it really strong. Like I, I, did, I will admit it made my weapon really strong and I loved that... Um, <laughs> You know, reward from it, but it didn't make me want to go down and kill the rest. Especially because I was so close to the mm. end of the game that I didn't need more resources to attach to weapons because I had a lot of powerful ones. Yeah,
2: yeah. Um, But it was still, in and of itself, as an event, memorable. Yeah, man, totally. I mean, they, they stuff like that—it's like because they have so many like hidden, um, you know, clothing dye shops and random armor that you can find, and they're tapping into that Dark Souls kind of boss battle—the like, size of that boss that you can just find um, out in the open world—it's almost a little bit Monster Huntery as well. Like you're getting a, a scale from this thing. They had it in Breath of the Wild where you could get scales from the dragons if you were like in their air current or whatever. Yeah. I kind of hope they would do something more with that, like get some really like badass like Thunder Zonai armor. You can get Zonai armor, but it's not elemental. Um, but yeah, overall, like, a hell of a game. It's I just find it, it I do find my own brain arguing with myself when it comes <laughs> to this, what I want to prioritize when someone says, like, oh, is it great? What what sticks with you? Like, after, like, months of finishing it. And I'm over 100, I've I finished it. I've done everything, like, 100 plus hours. Built the house and everything. Did you build, like, Link's house? I started to, then realized I would never go back. So I was like, this uh, is a waste of my money. <laughs> oh, that, I tried that as his retirement house. Because <laughs> nice. I was like, I'm, I did the same thing in Breath of the Wild. Like, when you, um, I forgot what you call that village now. It begins with an M. Um, but that's the village that is, like, fully formed now but you help build that village yeah. in um, Breath of the Wild and um, so it made sense in law that like Link would go back there and settle down because you already have a house with Zelda um, but like I guess she's off being a dragon so like I need to do <laughs> something else I built like him with like a little hot tub thing on the roof Ooh, and look. I was just like this is where he is now and uh, my time is done he'll be there until I need him again um, but yeah things like that there's like there's a lot of different bits and bobs that you could just miss um, or like spend time doing but closing thoughts Cl- closing tears. thoughts
3: you know we've been somewhat negative on the game here but it's, it's all <laughs> out of love and mm. you know we're negative about a game that we both really enjoy and rate incredibly high. It's yeah, I'm, just, I'm
2: entirely talking about the things that stopped it being five stars, but are, the, the bottom is 4.5 stars.
3: Exactly, man. It's like a testament to its quality that we can go in this deep on all of this stuff mm. and still barely scratch the surface. I love how ambitious the game is. Mm. It's incredibly memorable. I just, I think it's noteworthy for me personally that the most memorable aspects of the game are the aspects that are least like Breath of the Wild. It's the new stuff. It's the deaths. It's the Sky Islands. It's the new um, powers, and it's the new um, enemies. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Everything else was really good, but I almost wish I could have a full game of that curated Depths content and that curated Sky Island content because Massive it was same for the Sky real.
2: Yeah, no, I, I massively backed that. Every time I went back up to the Sky Islands, I was like, this is the best stuff. It's the right mix of exploration, reward, visual reward. Um, some of the Vistas, like we haven't really talked about the Switch hardware side of it. I'm not going to spend too long on it, but I thought, I mean, obviously there's a lot of stuff to do with... Um, like uh, jagged shadows and like, the way it, it does lighting and bits and bits about the frame rate but for me when, when it landed when the sun was going down and you got sunset in Hyrule it was beautiful when it was sunrise in, high, in Hyrule it was beautiful and when the first time I made a makeshift um, like platform with a set of fans and took off literally through the clouds yeah stuck with me forever like yeah. we opened the review on it because I was like this is absolutely gorgeous so it's like that art style can absolutely soar like sometimes most of the time for me personally I, I think a lot of people um, you know comparing it to like bigger games and stuff but it's absolutely. still for me.
3: Oh, gorgeous, man. Like I, I know I've had my issues with the technical side of things, and I stand by that. But the sunsets—that's what I'm referring yeah. to. Those sunsets are incredible, and I just kind of I want to see the next Elder on like way better hardware. So this I has gonna, to be the
2: last one on Switch. Yeah,
3: so I'm gonna have those moments all of the time. I mm-hmm. think you know, like like I said, great game, ambitious game. It's not going to be my game of the year, but I, if it's if it's yours or if it's no. someone else's. I can totally see why it would be, you know, because it's got so much in there to latch on to. And if you latch on to a whole, to the majority of it, it's just going to be, you're going to be, you know, playing it forever and ever and ever and ever. It
2: feels like it's one of those games, one of those sequels that is so good, it just obliterates the original. Hmm. But only if you haven't played the original. Like if you come in on Tears of the Kingdom, you do not need to play Breath of the Wild. I would Ah, would say.
3: Is that right? Well, I would say. This is the thing as well. I think it's important to note right at the very end Mm. that I've mentioned this to you, Scott Telford, privately outside of this podcast recording that so much of my love for Breath of the Wild was its context, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It was the first time I'd ever played a Zelda game. It was the first open world game to properly do things its own way and to break off from the tropes of the time. It was so fresh, it was so new, and it was doubly new to me because I'd never experienced this world before. Mm. Now, Breath of the Wild has influenced so many other games. It's so established. I've played other Zelda games. Like, I, this was almost impossible to mm. recapture. It's almost impossible to recapture that magic um, with a straight sequel like this. So I, I think it's worth knowing that because. If I'd played this first, like mm. you said, this was my first Zelda game. I'd have probably it would have definitely, in fact, given me the experience that I had with
2: Breath of the Wild. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll never recapture that. That's the thing. I think context is everything. And like the um, yeah, that was my thing with Breath of the Wild. It was like it's cheesy, but it literally was a breath of fresh air in that. year. that was the era of Battlefront Two, uh, For Honor, Shadow of War. Like that was the year where microtransactions were king. Itemized open worlds were everywhere, like Ubisoft style. And it was just Nintendo going like, no table swipe all that away and just get back to the pure exploration. That's so why I mentioned Serenity and Tranquility before. Um, Tears of the Kingdom, though, I think into that regard reuses too much stuff. They could have they gone more towards that and um, making it feel more distinct. Um, I'm not saying it feels like the most de- deluxe DLC pack of all time, mm. but I get the argument that it is. Mm. Um, I get the people who, I mean, it's obviously a reductive argument to make, but I get where people are coming from for that, just because everything from the sound effects to the menu to the progression is the same.
3: That's it. I mean, <laughs> I, again, you know, another thing about the context in which I play this game, I hadn't touched Breath of the Wild in years. So right. even a lot of the reused areas, I've said this before, but they were still fresh to me because mm. I couldn't fully remember them. Mm-hmm. But I would agree that if you were someone who played Breath of the Wild right up until the release of Teas of the Kingdom, you did all the DLC, maybe went through it a few times, fully explored it, mm-hmm. it would feel less special, I think, than if you had a, at least a little bit of a break, like I totally, did, I think hadn't well, played one at all.
2: Yeah, I think as well, if, if you're someone who hasn't played Breath of the Wild since 2017 and you have now played Tears of the Kingdom, if you fire up Breath of the Wild, just just for the absolute lulls of it, you will remark at how much is identical. Like uh, I think that is like a weird overseen thing where it benefits from the fact that it's been six years. But if you put them side by side, they're very, 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 very similar. Um, overall though, a great game a good game, huh? One of the best games of the year this has been the World Culture Gaming Podcast, didn't do an intro but I'll do an outro, I'm Scott Tilford, that's Josh Brown always a pleasure Scott Tilford, always a pleasure to be heard by all of you and we'll catch you throughout the week bye bye, goodbye